We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Holy Hour. I'm Liz Ball, and Amelia is actually at her brother's wedding this week. So this week, instead of a regular episode where you just have to listen to my annoying voice, um, we had a guest, and her name is Ariel June. She is a meditation teacher and inner work guide. You might recognize her from TikTok as Ariel Here and Now. And we had a really awesome conversation about conscious partnership and relationships and I think that everyone's going to find it really interesting and enlightening, and I'm excited for everyone to listen to it. So um, I'm going to do Amelia's job by <laughs> dropping all of our socials. So you can follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at The Holy Hour, and email us your stories at holyhourpodcast at gmail.com, and subscribe to us on Patreon for early and ad-free episodes. All right, enjoy! So... As all of you know, Amelia is out of town, um, but we have a guest today, if you want to introduce yourself. Hello, hello. Ariel June here. Happy to be with you all. Um, Ariel, do you want to share your socials and where people can find you? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Ariel Here and Now. Uh, and then you can also find me at doyouhave.space or doyouhavespace.com. Uh, it's a podcast and community um, centered around inner work. So we talk about all things related to inner work and meet on Sundays for some meditation and conversation. So those are the places you can find me. Um, so I know Ariel through Mr. Liz and her partner Brian so <laughs> it's like so cool having friends who started a podcast as well um, but I wanted to talk to you specifically about conscious par partnership because um, you had a TikTok recently about it and then um, on do you have space you and Brian recently started talking about it so I know you described it as um, there kind of being like two sort of paths relationship can go down like um a bicker track and a conscious partnership track. Yeah. Uh, do you want to explain that a little bit more? Yeah, totally. Um, I love talking about this right now because I feel like maybe it's just the algorithms that have learned me so much, but I, I keep hearing 
I don't know, different conversations around conscious partnership. And I think there's just a collective awareness right now that we didn't necessarily grow up with great examples of healthy romantic partnership, or perhaps that what was healthy for our parents' generation, we have outgrown and now don't have new models for. Um, and I think so many of us are, are kind of like running into that and like, what do, what do we do? Because what we're seeing maybe we don't love. So um, when, when I talk about conscious partnership, yeah, I kind of talk about these two different tracks. And I'll just say like growing up, I kind of assumed that any romantic relationship, you would either like find your soulmate and like it would just work out magically and like you wouldn't fight that much and it would just be all like lovey and sweet forever. Or you would just inevitably, you know, end up on the bicker track, like getting to a point in your relationship where you maybe still like love each other and care about each other. But like, I mean, we all know those couples who are kind of like make little comments at each other or like make jokes at the other person's expense. And it's like uncomfortable. You're like, yeah, in front of everyone. And uh, you're like, are you guys happy? <laughs> totally. And it's like, I, I, I think that we invite that kind of humor in when we are harboring a little bit of resentment. And then we use a joke to like throw it out there. But every time I see that, I can't help but see the resentment underneath it. And I'm like, please don't do that in front of me. It makes me feel so uncomfortable yeah. when I see other couples doing that. Can you that. guys talk about this later? Right, totally. <laughs> but it's also like so common because I don't think that we have great examples of how to work through those things and not let resentment build. And um, and so, yeah, most of the couples that I saw around me growing up um, made those little comments, those little jokes, um, that sort of thing. And I remember just assuming that that's where my relationship would end up at some point too. Um, and I, I mentioned this in the episode we recently released on conscious partnership, but I sort of confided in Brian, my partner about this, uh, maybe six or seven months ago, I was like, okay, I have this fear that that's what was going to happen to us. Cause it happens to everyone. It just, I just see it happen to most people. Some people are obviously uh, take it a little further than others. Some people have a little bit of a lid on it, but, um, and he was like, wait, we don't have to do that. We're not on that track. And, and, uh, ever since then, we've really divin- uh, dove into a lot of research around the notion of, of conscious partnership and what that looks like. And I think it's really exciting that there's an alternative to, as I'm, I jokingly, lovingly call it the bicker track, knowing that, oh, you can actually create conscious communication patterns with someone so that you're not letting resentment build and, and you don't have to end up on in that like bicker territory mm-hmm. in your 30s, 40s, 50s, or 60s, or whenever that happens for you. You don't have to do that. You don't have to let that stuff build. Um, and so I think on the flip side of that conscious partnership, I see is two people who are really committed to their own inner work, first and foremost, on an individual level, like dealing with my own shit, just being honest about my own shit, being honest about like, when I'm letting my shit and my baggage and my trauma like get in the way of, of my relationship um, and being honest and owning up to the things that I need to work on. And then I think the other person has to do that too. If, if, if it's just one person, it's not really a conscious partnership. But if you're both committed to your own inner work and then you bring that into, I don't know, your relationship, your partnership, um, that's, it's, you, you can avoid getting on that bigger track, I think. We'll see. Yeah, but that's, that's the theory I'm testing out right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the key word is definitely conscious because right. it includes so much self-awareness. And totally, that is a different challenge for each person to accomplish, I think. <laughs> like, and yeah. I'm speaking for myself, like just having operated in past relationships, like um, – just kind of like repeating these patterns in dating uh, that 
stem from just like childhood trauma (laughs) and and I always say like it's trauma with a little t you know we all have childhood trauma that no one's all perfect. of us yeah all of us yeah <laughs> no totally. parents perfect so totally. uh, but just repeating that growing up and being like trying to to heal that that little wound from when you were young in the partner that you're seeking out and then becoming aware of it is when you can start picking a different like the right kind of partner and create the relationship that you want I actually totally. recently I told Mr. Liz like um we were talking about a different couple that we know, um, and uh, he was saying that his friend didn't have like a good example of what a healthy relationship looked like growing up. And I was like, well, I mean, even if he did, like, I th- like my parents are happy, but like they don't have the type of relationship that I want. So then you're still trying to figure it out. Like, and then also my therapist also likes to remind me that like, she's like, well, some couples fight a lot and that works for them, Liz. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) that stresses me out. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, I feel that. But I do remember. So the last time we saw you and Brian, like out of the blue, I was like, do you guys fight? Because I just couldn't (laughs) picture it. Yeah. so I like you explaining this a little bit more in detail of this idea of like conscious partnership made a lot of sense. And it's something that I can really relate to as well. Um, but I think the important part of like what you and Brian were touching on is just it it does take work. Like you guys were talking yeah. about uh, early on in your relationship um, that things were a little Oof. difficult. And I think yeah. that's like so last week in I think it, I don't know if it's like last week's episode or two weeks ago, um, just the idea that uh, a relationship should be easy at the beginning. And like, I still stand by that advice. Like it should be fun, but that's not to say that like confronting your own like trauma that's coming up, like isn't hard. So you can still have fun together and it's easy. But then like those feelings of like, tension from past relationships are still going to come up yeah yeah totally I actually I listened to the episode and I I honestly totally agree with you if it's super hard in the beginning it's like what what are we even doing is this are we just setting ourselves up for a difficult relationship the whole way through and it can be really hard to identify is this hard because I was actually just talking to someone about this literally last night is it hard because hard work is hard <laughs> mm-hmm. or is it hard because it, it we, we shouldn't be together and we're just not compatible and like this isn't working out and it should be fun in the beginning so yeah. it's totally but- a balance and it should be fun in the beginning though for sure and that was I think really confusing to me when Brian and I first started dating is like it was the most fun I had had it was so easy it was so lovely and then like once or twice a month like we'd run into one of my emotional triggers from my past like wounds that I had not uh, fully healed from yet. And I would be like, oh, wait, this is really, really hard. Um, But it also became very apparent to me early on that what we were running into uh, was my own, my own shit coming up. You know what I mean? I think that's like a difference too. Is it like, oh, is this pointing at something that I need to heal? Or are we just like super, like just clashing in a way that's like, whoa, we are different people. We want different things. We have different communication styles. All of that can be worked on, but also when I realized a lot of it was just wounds that I thought I had healed, 
but didn't realize, you know, once you let someone in that close, (laughs) they just get a little closer to the wounds. You're like, whoa, back up. (laughs) Totally. I Um, totally relate to that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Did you encounter any of that early on in dating Mr. Liz? Absolutely. Uh, So like I had, I know, I think I've told you a little bit about my past relationship of like, it was just very traumatizing. And um, I hadn't dated anyone that I was like, really excited about until I met Mr. Liz and um when like you meet someone that you know is like going to be a good partner for you and you you have that excitement it's just it's yeah. also really scary because totally. <laughs> um I would have to like hype myself up like in my therapy sessions to bring up like something really small that happened and it wouldn't mm. even be something like like I knew it was like something I needed to work on and it was one of my triggers and I needed to yeah. explain that to him. And yeah. so it it like would just <laughs> I, I'd like have to bring it up like a week later after I had like talked myself up into talking about it. Yeah, um, that's so real. And then I it just started to become more and more natural. Like um having a level of awareness yeah. and being vulnerable with a new partner and saying like this is this is something that triggered me or like I felt a type of way about the situation and I know it has nothing to do with you specifically. So I'm going to explain why I feel this way and like what has happened to make me feel this way. And having that level of like self-awareness and vulnerability with another person, especially your partner is going to like encourage them to be more open to sharing the same things. Um, So I think, yeah, at some point, like, Mr. Liz got way more comfortable sharing those things as well. And then <laughs> um, I know you say like you and Brian will say like uh, we almost caught an edge or something. And I really like that <laughs> phrase a lot. Yeah. It's such a good like when you have that kind of like tense feeling of like bringing something up like, all right, how are we going to solve this? Yeah. <laughs> or like because you don't know if someone's going to be defensive when you bring something up. Oh, my gosh. Totally. So um but we always say, like, <laughs> it sounds so stupid. We're, we're like, are you mad at me? <laughs> <laughs> I but love it. We're like, are you mad? Are you mad at me? And then both of us are like, no. And then we'll talk about it a little bit more. But just saying, like, are you yeah. mad? <laughs> it's essentially just the easiest way to be like, totally. did that make you feel a type of way? Are you upset? Can we talk about it? But honestly, he, I love that. I Yeah. He walked into like a rela- our relationship with more self-awareness than I had in the past. Mm. So I just like admire that about him. Like mm, not everyone yeah. needs to go to years of therapy <laughs> to have the self-awareness that I needed right. to work up to. So yeah, it's been really like nice that we have kind of built this together. Like yeah. I don't think either of us have had a relationship where it's just – so yeah. easy to eventually start talking about those things but yeah to your point um there is such a difference between knowing when something is hard with a partner versus like it's hard because you're running into your own triggers popping up yeah if you had like a traumatic relationship in the past it's kind of inevitable it's just as long totally. as you can be aware of it <laughs> Totally, totally. And I I think that's another thing that I I love what you said about collaborating or like sort of co-creating this relationship and different communication patterns. I feel like that is really what conscious partnership is. And even just like 
growing into adulthood in romantic partnerships, right? Like it's one thing like to just write things off or to just let things roll off your back or like let resentment build when we're younger. But like, I feel like as we start to mature, if you're really going to enter into, oh, I'm not just dating this person, but it is a sort of partnership, like whatever you feel like your goal might be, if you see yourself being with this long-term person or not, like really creating your, at a certain point, we are co-creating an experience with someone and to do that in a way that's really aware and thoughtful. And I love that you're like, are you mad? Like that's the language <laughs> that you use. I, it's, it's so funny. I've found in talking to people about this, that like the language we all end up creating in relationship can feel so silly at times. Like we'll say, yeah, we're catching an edge, which is kind of like a snowboarding term. Brian used to call them like kerfuffles when we would get into little <laughs> arguments, which I always thought was so hysterical. Um, or like asking like, are you mad or like whatever you really are creating this language and it can feel kind of silly because it's like a weird vulnerable space that you're in with somebody. But, um, I think it's so essential to like really realizing like, Oh, part of being in like a mature partnership, whatever that looks like for you is co-creating this experience is co-creating communication patterns is deciding what that looks like. And it will look a little bit different, um, for everyone. But I, I think acknowledging that and realizing like, oh, this, this is something I have to like show up to. This isn't something I can really half-ass anymore. Not if I want the kind of relationship that I want, mm-hmm. you know, and just being honest about that. Like I, I don't want a relationship that's just flippant. And I mean, you know this um, from your own experience, but having had traumatic relationship experiences, like I'm like, listen, I'm not out here trying to get more traumatized. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm like, listen, like I, I'm going to do whatever it takes to it, you know, if I end up leaving my partnership with Brian, I don't want to have to go to a ton of therapy to unlearn what I've learned here. So can I show up consciously mm-hmm. to not traumatize myself more than, you know, <laughs> is necessary or unavoidable? That reminds me a lot of a TikTok I had seen probably a few months ago, but this guy was explaining how after he and his partner broke up. He started going to therapy and now he can have like conversations with his partner, his ex-partner about how their relationship kind of played out. And she was like, he was saying all of the things that he learned while dating her. And she was like, that's amazing. But everything that you learned, I have to unlearn now. And he like, it was nice hearing yeah. him acknowledge like, oh, I wasn't a good partner and I didn't like do the work I needed to be doing to be in a good partnership and like he he was like we need to acknowledge when we traumatize someone (laughs) and I was like oh this is kind of a relief to hear like someone saying that I well and this also kind of ties into something else I wanted to bring up it was really nice hearing Brian like a man say that men needed to step it up because like I I was like oh thank god like and Brian is such a great example of that too of just someone who is really like self-aware and is consciously putting in the effort to have a good relationship and a lot of the times that does kind of fall on the other person's shoulders like if you're dating (laughs) if you're dating a man (laughs) yeah sometimes it can be really hard and um like I think a lot of women have started to feel really frustrated of like showing up ready to do the work and trying to explain like why something is an issue for them and being met with defensiveness and not to say that's only that's exclusive to like 
men being defensive like that was definitely me in the past so <laughs> right right it's yeah I know I I totally feel that it's it, we've kind of danced around this or tried to articulate it in a way um that hopefully will come across to people but I think you're totally right not to make it an overly gendered thing but the truth is like m- men typically if, if you are raised as like a little boy in this country at this time there's a lot of a, a, a lot of uh, implications to that, and and that that men then bring into relationship, or that men then don't bring into relationship, um, and I don't think um, I don't say that to necessarily like call out men or say that they're the problem because you're right. Like, I mean, I can be just as honest and say, like, I brought in a lot of my own trauma and emotional baggage. Like you said, like I have my own defensive quality. It took me. <laughs> a handful of times getting triggered to realize like, oh man, when I get triggered, I think it's all Brian's fault. And then I come down and I'm like, oh, there was this protector in me that came out because in my last relationship in that situation, I would not have been safe, but I am safe now. And so now that's Mm -hmm. on me to, to learn a new, a new way to relate in those situations. So I don't mean to uh, call out men as though they're the only ones in this equation that have work to do. And also uh, culturally right now, a, a lot of women, women identifying people, uh, are the ones carrying a lot of that weight. We're the ones who are like, have been in therapy for years now. We're the ones who are like, we don't want to do this anymore. We want to, um, really, I mean, calling this conscious partnership really want to, in a way, like raise the level of consciousness in ourselves and in our partnerships and, um, want to be met in that place. And, and there's a lot to that. There's a lot to that. Um, I, I, we don't have to go like too deep down this rabbit hole, <laughs> but like, if you think about it in, in the sense of generational trauma, I carry my own trauma. I also carry the weight of generational trauma from my mom and her mom and the mom, you know, and, and totally. on and on and on. And even though like, in this instance, in my partnership with Brian, even though Brian is not actively causing me trauma, he generationally carries the, in, in a lot of ways, if we look historically, right, like the oppression, the generational oppression that women have received from men. That's not specifically Brian's problem or his fault, but in a conscious partnership, it is also, uh, in some ways, I believe his responsibility to also f- like facilitate and create the divine masculine container for the healing um, that women have experienced. And that gets, we <laughs> really, we could go down a huge rabbit hole there for sure. We don't have to right now, but um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's like do it. so much there, <laughs> but it is, it's like, yeah, it's not your fault, but it is also like we are carrying these things and, um, and there is, circling back to our, our episode on conscious partnership on, do you have space? When Brian said that, when he like lovingly like called out men, I was like, so turned on. I was like, call (laughs) him out. That's my guy. (laughs) I was like, yes, get him. Um, but I think we're seeing more of that, which is also really hopeful. So it's not like a, it's not like a, a hopeless story. Like I I'm seeing Mm -hmm. a lot, um, and like you, you said about that TikTok video earlier, the relief you felt, first of all, I know the exact video you're talking about. I saw it and I was like, oh. it was almost, we probably have some crossover on some of our algorithms. A hundred percent. We do for sure. Um, but it was, it was almost healing to hear someone say that, to recognize like, oh wow. Like in that relationship, he learned so much. And in the process of therapy, he learned so much. And on the other side, she's like, yeah, I was traumatized and I have to heal from that and unlearn things. And for him to be like, oh 
oh, those yeah, are different that's, things. Uh, and that's all like I would want from past partnerships. Like just right. the acknowledgement. Like I don't need any sort of like major apology or anything like that. Just the acknowledgement of like, oh yeah, I am aware that like here are some yeah. of the things that I did that could have traumatized you. But yeah. Uh, it's funny. That that, would be lovely. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But I I had talked to my therapist about that specifically of just like, I just want the acknowledgement. (laughs) And (laughs) Amelia and I had talked previously kind of just like not recording. (laughs) I think people forget that we talk when we're not recording too. So then we forget (laughs) what we have and haven't recorded. But um, she was saying how she wanted to have like an episode about closure because closure Mm. is just kind of this like elusive idea but my I had talked to my therapist about that too like I just want the acknowledgement so I can have some closure and she's like well if you don't get that how are some other ways you can find closure and then just her encouraging me to she's like you can find closure on your own and not have another person give that to you but like it's going to yeah. be harder, but it's going to be more rewarding. And mm. now being on the other end of that, I'm like, she was so right. <laughs> yeah. Well, how did you, how did you find that closure? I, I'm with you. I think that that is so empowering. And we, when we realize not just in relationships, but in all aspects of our lives at the end of the day, we're responsible for our energy and what we hang on to and what we let go of. That's incredibly hard to do, but it, it is something that we can do. So I'm curious to hear like, what did that look like for you? How did you find closure without oh, actually receiving any engagement? And if you don't want to get into it. Oh, no, it's but. totally fine. I love talking about stuff like this. Um, Perfect. I think, I mean, honestly, going to therapy weekly for yeah. a, like probably at least a year and a half. Now I go bi-weekly. Yeah. I could probably yeah. go monthly if I wanted to, but I'm just too like emotionally attached to my therapist at this point. <laughs> um, so supportive. <laughs> working through like obviously relationship trauma but being able to like really really dive deep into it and recognize how it stemmed from childhood trauma um and just the pat being aware of the becoming aware of the patterns I was repeating in relationships I I just spent a lot of time journaling um and really really deep in my feelings because I you know this is just like the the pandemic is a uh, worldwide trauma. <laughs> so I know I'm not the only one, but like being by myself in a studio apartment and not having any family up here and yeah. not being able to see any friends because we're all quarantined. Like it, it, I'm thankful for the time I was forced to spend by myself with my own thoughts. Yeah. And like it, I think I don't know. Just thinking like spending all that time alone is also really helpful. Like choosing mm, to to truly. be alone and not yeah. looking for another person to like fill any parts of my I, I want to say my heart. <laughs> and say it. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, but uh I also was thinking like um there, I, I've noticed like two different kinds of paths to finding like kind of the right partnership for yourself of mm. um, a lot of people are like, yeah, and when I wasn't looking, I found like 
this person. Um, And that, I mean, that happened for me. Like I was bored. So I was like, I guess I'll go on some dates. (laughs) And then that's how I met Mr. Liz. And that was just kind of like, I walked into that not wanting a relationship and so did he. And then it just kind of happened. Um, Yeah. And then, (laughs) and then the other end of that is I, I heard, I was, saw a TikTok of a woman explaining like, I don't agree with that because like I was really, I I had everything I wanted in mind. So she was really intentionally dating and that's how she yeah. found her husband. Yeah. And I was like, that worked for her because yeah. she knew who she was. So, yes. so like some people need that time to figure out who they are and not be looking um, because then you're like, oh, I can change that about this person or I'll like tolerate this and right. maybe it'll change. And yeah, when you, when you have that aspect versus like being really intentional of like trusting your gut and knowing like, yeah, no, this person just doesn't feel right for me. That's yeah. so different because you're confident in who you are. You're really totally. rooted and self-assured and you don't need another person's validation. So yeah. I was like, there can, it can go both ways and work out perfectly. Like, yeah, each, I each totally path. agree for sure. And I think, I, I mean, honestly, I think what I love about what you're saying is the underlying foundation for both of those is knowing yourself. You're mm-hmm. either spending that t- intentional time alone. And you're like, I don't, I don't need to date anybody. And you're really like focused on being rooted in yourself or you're like, actively pursuing someone you know exactly what you want but like that desire and knowing what you want comes out of like a true deep sense of connection to yourself and knowing what will support you um but I think you're totally I think either way um I've definitely heard so many stories on both sides of that I'm on your I'm in your camp I was like I'm good I had got out of uh, a very long like seven or eight year long relationship about a year before I got together with Brian and I was like, I'm going to be single for a long time and just enjoy (laughs) being by myself and enjoy dating casually. Like I just, it was, I was having a good time and he interrupted that. So that was pretty good time, honestly. (laughs) You're like, I literally, like he told me he liked me and I was like, I am having a great time dating everyone in Seattle, please (laughs) go away. (laughs) Uh, And then he just kept hanging out with me and I was like, he's great. So just happened, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, And as we're talking, I'm realizing like a big part of healing for me when I spent that time alone, I was very consciously thinking about my highest self and like connecting Mm. with that part of myself and like putting a visual to it. And I do a lot on Pinterest in terms of like my highest self and like um, how I picture that and like connecting with that, like and talking to I would imagine myself talking to like the highest version of myself and like Mm, taking my advice, taking advice for myself, (laughs) if that makes sense. Oh yeah, totally. That I think like being very intentional about like what kind of person do I want to be and how do I want to feel in my own body and like how do I want other people to feel in my presence. That's what helped me feel more grounded in who I am before deciding to like go out and date again because I was bored. <laughs> totally, totally, totally. I love that you did. I actually didn't know that you did. I think we've talked about that, but I love like having conversations with my higher self um, and like meditating and spending time there. I really think that, I mean, I'm not an expert in on, well, any of this, but uh, on on this notion of time or being able to access higher versions of ourselves. But 
I mean, we already know time is a theory. It's not linear. It operates different in different planes. Um, And that's not spiritual. That is literally just like it happens on this planet. Time works differently in different parts of the planet Um, and on different planets. But I, and I, I think that knowing that and, and having these experiences where I've been like, okay, I'm going to actually try to like channel my higher self, like really try to like sit across from her in meditation, imagining as though like it was really real. She was here and like ask the, like what, what she would say, like what advice she would give in this situation. And I, I don't know if you, it sounds like you've experienced this to some extent as well, but the amount of clarity, like my older self just like, oh, no yeah. shit. And it doesn't feel like things that like I know and I'm like, where did this come from? Like it really does feel like you you can access these higher versions of yourself and um, give yourself some some clarity. I often actually think about like I didn't start doing that, like uh, these meditations where I'll talk to my higher self and ask for advice or like, um, I don't know, any input, things like that until like maybe three or four years ago I started doing it. And I wish I had done it sooner because I often will access like myself at different ages I'm actually curious to hear what your kind Ooh. of practice that this is like. So sometimes I'll do like when I'm like, I'm 30 right now. So sometimes I'll do like my 35 year old self. Cause I'm like, you know, what's next immediately. Like what's going down? You know what I'm saying? But sometimes I'll also access like my 55 year old self or like my 75 year old self. Like I uh, like access myself at different points in my life. And I can't wait until I had this thought recently. I can't wait till I'm like 35 or 55 or 75 to like, almost meditate in reverse and like go spend time with my younger self, but like to, to be able to almost like cross time and be like, I was actually Mm -hmm. spending time with myself, um, at that age is like time bending to me. It gets really sci-fi and cool. I love that. I haven't thought about like age, like, yeah. Trying to talk to you like your younger or older self, something I, I actually, I'm realizing I haven't like told anyone this. I just kind of subconsciously (gasps) do it. Um, Liz, (laughs) uh, you know how like you hear a certain song and it just like if yes. it feels like it's vibrating through you. Yes. I I treat that as almost like time markers. Like um mm. my future self is telling me this is like how I'm feeling now is important. Like while I'm listening to this song, it's like a message. <gasps> yes. So anytime it like a certain song shows up like just in the wild, I kind of like will take a moment to myself and like just bask oh, in it yeah. and enjoy it. Um, and then I also, I my, love that. my psychiatrist is like, she, she, I was like, sometimes I have a hard time differentiating between my gut instinct and like, if it's just fear. And then mm, she's like, yeah. your gut instinct is calm. And then I was like, yes, reflecting yes. on that and how I felt when like my gut was right. And I was like, you're so, you're so right. Like, totally. Um, a specific example, Mr. Liz hates when I bring this up and I, I understand <laughs> that he hates it, but like we broke wait. up for like a day. <laughs> um, Ooh, yeah, and that's real. When that happened, like I remember sitting in the moment just being like, this isn't real. Like it's not over. And yeah. then that, that was like, it was just like a moment where I knew that intuitively and then the after that, like the fear kind of kicked in and then I was like very emotional, but I kept thinking about that like moment of like, I was like, this doesn't feel real. And then, and then being right. And then like the next day being like, I was afraid. So let's actually talk about this more. And honestly, like I tell him this now and he hates when I bring it up just because it makes him sad. But like, 
I'm really thankful that happened because it was almost mm. like hitting a reset button on like totally. I don't think he was aware that I was kind of feeling the same fears as he was. Mm. He just was choosing not to talk about them to me. So he was bearing all this weight on his own. And oh, wow. yeah. then me saying like, I think you would have been really relieved if you had brought this up to me and learned that I feel the same way. Like I have the same fears. And yeah. then like, I think just kind of meeting him with understanding instead of, you know, defaulting to being defensive and trying to protect myself. Like that was kind of what helped us be such good communicators now. Like we, we really mm. don't fight. Like maybe we'll have kind of a tense conversation, but yeah. we, after we have that tense conversation, we will check in and be like, well, how are you feeling? Like, tell me more yeah. about it. So, um, but it's it's totally learned. Like, <laughs> I don't sure. have an example of this <laughs> in my life. Like, totally. If my parents yeah, are, either. my parents never argued in front of me. So in that way, I'm like a little thankful. Um, but they would kind of like you know snap at each other. Um, yeah. But I didn't have like a example of two people like checking in with how they feel to each other like oh my gosh right and why not like I get that our parents wanted to keep that from us my parents also never argued in front of me they would be really direct when they were working through things or when they were having a hard mm. time which I actually appreciated my mom didn't want us to feel like there was any ambiguity as to like whether they were okay and so sometimes they would just sit us down and be like your dad and I are fine but we are having a hard time right now we're working on it like you don't need to worry um, and we'll just keep you posted on how things are going. And I really appreciated that communication, but mm -hmm. I'm with you. It also, as much as I'm like, okay, cool. They didn't argue in front of us. And that was nice. Like, I don't really want to witness that, that necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> and also I'm like, yeah, but it would have been nice to have examples of how to work through things, which mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't really see or figure out. So I'm, I'm with you. I had to stumble into that on my own. I, I love hearing that though about you and Mr. Liz, because I also love calling him Mr. Liz, especially knowing like him in, <laughs> yeah. in real life. I'm just going to start referring to him as Mr. Liz all of the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love that you both had that experience. I'm with you. I think sometimes taking a step back is, is so necessary to provide some clarity, whether you like officially like break up for a day or not. Um, Brian and I had, I think probably two similar moments in our relationship where we didn't like break up and then get back together. But there was this like, okay, let's pause for like 48 hours, step back and just be like, is this what we both really want? Like, are we in this experiencing some confusion? And back to what you said about, I think this directly ties into the whole intuition versus fear thing. Um, I just heard um, a teacher that I really love say that um, intuition is always accessed in neutrality. So calmness, Ooh. like Anytime you're like spinning in anxious thoughts or fear or like panic or anger, um, you might be able to hear your intuition underneath all of that noise, but probably not. And so in the instance of like, it sounds like you, Mr. Liz, or even for Brian and I, like in that time where we took a couple of days to step back, like just pausing to be like no more input. Like, let me just like pause all of the sort of external stimulation of like arguing or, or being or like talking about this or like feeling afraid and uncertain and you know all of those things let me just like step back come to that neutral place and I had a similar moment as the one that you described where like when we did that I was like okay we need to take like two or three days to like think about this and within like 12 hours I had got back to that place of neutrality and calmness and was like oh yeah no I still totally want to be in this 
but I have mm -hmm. a crazy fear of abandonment and I have this fear and I have whatever and that's what's coming up and I need to deal with that and you know Brian and I probably need to talk about a few things but it's not that I I don't want to be together um but I, I don't think I could have come to that clarity without taking a Getting step to back a neutral place totally and like you were saying the whole alone time thing like whether you're single and like intentionally being like I'm gonna be alone right now or if you're with someone but still taking time to yourself is is so crucial to get to that point of calmness and neutrality where you can say okay like what what do I really feel what do I really need in this relationship or in life in general like is just so is so essential mm-hmm and deep down, like, your intuitive self knows what the answer is. So For finding sure. a moment of peace is just, that's when the answers are going to come through. Yeah, totally. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I love what you said about when you hear songs and like you feel like your future self in a way is like highlighting this moment. I love that. Don't make me cheesy. I totally got goosebumps when you said that. I, I have my own moments like that. Sometimes it's a song. Sometimes it's just like a feeling. Like mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'll just be like, oh my gosh, this. Like I had this moment the other day, where, a very similar thing, where did this, the feeling wash over me where I was like, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I was like, nothing matters but like this moment and like how I feel. And then like pausing, like you said, to take that moment with yourself where you're like, wait, how do I feel right now? I feel really content. I feel like I have everything that I could possibly ever want or need in this moment. There's no, there's no issues that I'm dealing with. There's nothing but like contentment and joy and love for this person that I'm with and for this season of my life. And can I just like rest in that feeling? Because I do think our higher self is pointing out those moments to say, yes. like, that's it. Like, that's the good shit. Keep yeah. coming back to this feeling because that's what you were being sort of called into. So I love that, like, songs and music do that for you. That's so beautiful. That's totally how I feel, too, of, like, when you have a moment of, like, oh, I'm very, like, aware of this moment. I, I think of it as, like, yeah. yeah, either my higher self or, like, a future version of myself, like, tapping yeah. me and being, like, this is it and it's going to be okay or like, yeah, yeah, just, just like finding like peace in that moment and knowing that it's coming from, uh, cause I, like you said with time, like sure there's the measurement of time, but I, I like this description of it. Like we're not moving through time. Time is moving through us. Mm. Um, so like kind of visualizing it as that of like, Oh, I've always existed. And so yeah, that, that, person like the fear of the unknown is just like I think that scares everyone of like oh well yeah 
things will get better once I get a raise or things will be like right <laughs> what's it what does my future look like who am I gonna marry and we do so much to like try and control that like For control real. the fear of the future but it takes just so much I don't know focused energy to to realize like oh um the future has already happened and like all I can yeah. do is live right now <laughs> it's for hard sure. to it's hard to stay conscious in the moment for sure but I always those moments I just I'm like yeah my future self or my higher self knows what the outcome of this is so I'm just gonna like go along for the ride and do my best while I can like <laughs> totally and I think anchoring to, to those moments is so important like really I love that you have a practice of like pausing and being like wait like just soak this up for a moment. I think in a similar way, meditation can serve as another practice to do that to really, I mean, we hear all the time, like, oh, you got to be in the present moment. You got to be in the present moment. But like you really, that's, there is a lot of magic there. And if, if that phrase feels like, I don't know, cheesy or abstract or unattainable, it's like, no, it actually is. And once you have those moments, you start to realize like, oh, that's what people mean. Oh, that's why everyone keeps talking about like the importance of being present to the moment as it is. That's why so many different wisdom traditions, so many different philosophies, spiritual practices, people, <laughs> fucking like influencers on the internet are like, it's the present <laughs> moment. It like feels so cheesy, but then you have those moments and you're like, oh, oh damn, like this is what they mean. And, and pinning my, like anchoring my contentment, my happiness, my joy, my gratitude on a future state, like you said, once I get the raise, once I get the partner, once I get like to this point or get a better apartment or whatever, anchoring your happiness to that um, is a, a sure way to guarantee that you will never be happy because you're not, you're literally teaching your brain, like on a neuroscientific level, you are teaching your brain not to be happy with what you have, but to be happy for a future state. So even if you get the raise, your brain will have learned to be happy on based on a future state. So it's not even mm-hmm. about the raise. It's about future state, future state, future state. And that just sucks. Like, let's not yeah. do that to ourselves. You know what I mean? Like, let's just figure out how to be happy right the hell now. Yeah, instead of trying. I, I mean, I did that a lot in my, like, early 20s. But I think it's just oh, also same. that kind of, like, all right, I, I am a working woman and I need to like prove myself and I need <laughs> to, sure. I need to hit these markers. And like, I, I feel that th- I do think that women experience a lot of pressures societally, like mm-hmm. in terms of like being recognized in the workplace. And then sure. you get to a certain age where everyone's obsessed with your uterus and if anyone's in it and like oh when God. you're going to be married, like, oh God, last night I was yeah. talking to my mom about like, weddings and I was like honestly after watching all my friends get married like it seems so exhausting that if I if I (laughs) get married I'm probably gonna elope and then she was like no you're not and I'm like (laughs) excuse me you want to plan my wedding for me like (laughs) like you wouldn't even know yeah exactly happen without you knowing yeah um but I did want to ask you a couple more questions um just I wanted to ask like what do you think everyone talks about red flags but what do you think are some green flags Ooh, green flags are fun um i would say green flags right off the top of my head are um someone is willing to like be wrong or not even just be wrong but they're willing to be open to another perspective 
uh, that just goes in general for all people, whether you're <laughs> looking for any really any friendship like, relationship. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Um, yeah, being willing to to listen to another perspective, and I don't just mean like, oh, I'll I'll listen until you're done talking, but being willing to think like, oh, I didn't think about it that way, and that might change the way that I look at a situation. I feel like that's a really a really big green flag for me. Um, let's see. I honestly been thinking a lot about friendships as well. So I feel like these, yeah, all apply to relation, like romantic partnership, but also mm-hmm. to friendships. But um, uh, another green flag is that they're really invested in their in doing their own work and examining their own behavior patterns. Um, I used to think that the whole like oh, we're so influenced by our childhood and by our parents' relationship. Like, I just kind of threw, like, baby out with the bathwater when it comes to anything related to Freud. Like, it just felt, like, over-sexualized and, and outdated. But there's so much truth to it, and I think that the more that we can be honest about that and, and really look at where we come from and be honest about the way that that impacts our relationships now is really important. So when a person is willing to examine their own behavior and be like, oh, yeah, why – why do I do that? Like what's, what's going on here? Um, or any other semblance of inner work, like that they're sitting with their own bullshit is a green flag for me. Um, I think being, this one's like a little bit deeper, but being able to hold space for someone else's like big feelings, I think is also a really big green flag. Cause I, I, when I first started dating Brian and my triggers were just like running the show for about six <laughs> months, um, I was like, oh my gosh, like he is going to for sure break up with me. This isn't fun. Like why would he stay signed up to deal with this? And, and we were slowly getting better at handling it and we were having a lot of great, you know, lovely times together outside of that. But I learned in that process that like, oh, real relationship isn't just like like Brian could have been like, oh, this isn't my problem. This is your, your shit. But that's not real relationship. Like once you're in like real partnership, you're, you're also holding space for the other person's shit, even if it doesn't have anything to do with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, seeing someone that has the emotional maturity to be like, okay, this might not have anything to do with me, but I care about you so I can hold space for whatever you're feeling and going uh, through too. I love that. Well, I'm yeah. thinking specifically about um, – Mr. Liz is, like, aware of some of the, like, tension I feel around my family. Mm. I mean, no one can trigger you, yeah. more, trigger you more than, like, your family. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we all, like, even your parents, they'll revert to treating you like you're 17. And then you'll, like, act totally. like you're 17 because that's Been how there. they're treating yeah. you. And it's just, <laughs> totally. uh, it's so annoying. But yeah. um, just him being aware of that and, like, how I'm feeling. And he can observe, like, interactions with my family in the moment and see like how I'm responding to something and like know how I'm feeling and then um it's just kind of like life-changing having a partner who knows and is in your corner and witnessing it with you so then I can like we you know we'll leave the room and be talking about something and then like if I just ask him what he thinks or he'll volunteer like validating me of like this is yeah. what I observed and like I agree with you. Yeah. So um him oh, just so nice. Oh uh, yes. It was like I was like, oh my God. <laughs> this is healing. <laughs> this is healing me. <laughs> For sure. I love that. Uh, it it's so nice like experiencing that. And then um uh, also, like, my family has so much respect for him and l- adores him. Oh, my gosh. They love him so much. So, oh, I love like, that. 
I can kind of use him as leverage, and he knows that. <laughs> <laughs> he also doesn't care. He's like, yeah, do it. Um, do it. There you but, go. I love that. <laughs> like, if I'm explaining something to my mom, like, well, when this happened, this is how I was feeling. And then she's yeah. like, well, what did Mr. Liz think? And then I'll say, like, he agreed with me, and then here's what else he said. Then that put, helps put things into perspective, having, like, mm. an ex an external third party who isn't really involved, yeah. like – knowing what's going on and like validating how I'm feeling it just kind of like adds some grounding um for sure I feel that in my with my family as well Brian's been so supportive in validating my experiences and offering like literal support in those situations uh so I totally totally resonate with that Mm -hmm. um and then what's the other thing I was gonna say it also is really interesting seeing my mom react to like oh you guys like talk about these kinds of things like (laughs) like yeah he's he is my person I we are like openly communicate about stuff that like probably my parents wouldn't talk about or acknowledge yeah just I think that's generational oh that also reminds me like just saying the word generational I love that you brought up generational trauma um because it's I fully believe that's really real I wanted to ask you Um, I know for me personally, I am kind of the only person in my extended family and obviously my immediate family that is like actively seeking out healing. And I think it's, I find it really empowering. I'm like, yes, I am, I am doing this for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) At first I was like frustrated and exhausted, but then like having the awareness and choosing to like, I'm going to change this for us, like. Yeah. Do you feel the same way of like, do you feel empowered or strong when you're like, I'm going to heal our generational trauma? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I totally do. I'm with you. Actually, I have a very similar um, process with it. And I I at first was frustrated that I was the only one who was doing it (laughs) in my family. Not the only one. Um, I will say my mom is pretty aware. She's not super committed to all of the inner work, but she's very open. Um, And anytime I'm like, I have something I need to share with her. She is very receptive and um, has worked, like outright worked to remain receptive, um, which I I really am appreciative of. But she's also not like actively pursuing um, doing this healing work. Um, And I don't know that, yeah, anyone else in my family is. And at first that was really frustrating. I think especially the parent to child dynamic. Like I was Ugh. like, um, you're my parents. Like, can yeah. you do this work? Like, why am I doing this work, you know? And wanting them to um, be more aware of the ways that um, the belief system I grew up with harmed me and I had to like heal from and to apologize for that and to be doing their own work to heal from that themselves used to really frustrate me. Um, and I think more recently, I mean, within the last couple of years, but even especially within the last six months for me, not only did I switch into that place, like you're saying, I feel like really empowered, like, oh no, I'm doing this for all of us. Like this... <laughs> this shit stops with me. Like I, I, I will take on that work. I've also realized at a certain point, um, that, I mean, really as with this whole child parent dynamic specifically, we want our parents to parent us in the way that we need to be parented. And there's this weird tension of entering into adulthood and we have these childhood wounds that maybe haven't been addressed. 
and our parents should address. But at a certain point, we surpass our parents. Most of us will surpass our parents, um, not because our parents like don't care uh, or don't want to keep learning. Maybe they don't care, maybe they don't want to keep learning. But mo for the most part, it's not that they're like being intentionally negligent, but we're just constantly learning and growing. And if you're intentionally doing this work, going to therapy, learning, like, I mean, all of the books and podcasts I learn are about this. Like I have to give, my, I'm like, I have to give myself a break sometimes and just like watch shitty TV or something just to yeah. take a break from it. <laughs> but I'm like, if I'm doing all this learning intentionally, I'm obsessed with it. I'm just surpassing their education and skill and experience around it. And I don't mean that in a haughty or cocky way at all. It just is true. Yeah. I'm reading books about this. I'm going to therapy. I'm learning how to process all of this better and do it better. And so that creates this weird dynamic because I want them to be the parent. But in a way, we get to a point where we have to parent ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then as we continue to gain emotional maturity and intelligence around all of these things, we also have to let go of wanting them to be the parent that's going to apologize for all those things. And in some ways, again, I don't mean this in a cocky or hot way, but in some ways I'm like, I'm the parent now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in charge now. Not of them, of course, but like of my experience and of some things with them. So there are certain things where I'm like, you know, I have a 16 year old brother who's much younger than me. And there are certain things that there, there are certain ways that they're parenting him. And they recently were dealing with something with him. And my dad was like, oh, I'm frustrated because we're trying to, you know, be the parents and do this thing. And I just gently looked at them and, th and I said, um, you would have been so proud of me, Liz. I was like, do you want to hear how that affected me growing up? Ooh. And they were like, and my dad kind of was like, oh, do we? <laughs> I love and, that. Um, speaking of uh, Mr. Liz kind of being that support for you, Brian was there with me. So I think that he provided me some grounding. Like I felt safer mm -hmm. knowing that my person was there and had my back. But I think they also had to be on really good behavior because it wasn't just, you know, me there. Yes. Um, but the I, accountability. I had to be really, totally. <laughs> of having your I had partner. to be really gentle. Yeah, totally. And I, I had to be really gentle because I wasn't like coming with them like with some fiery anger about it all. But I was like, okay, well, you parented me in that same way. And honestly, like I've had to go to therapy to heal from that. And here's how that affected me. And, um, you know, you can keep parenting him that way if you want to. But I just thought you should know that that had a really um, negative impact on me. And I just wanted you to know that. And, and in that way, I, 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 I'm trying to use that as an example to explain what I mean by like me switching into the parenting role. Like I've had to parent myself in certain ways. And mm -hmm. in some ways when it comes to those things, like I have to let go of like, I just want to be the child and I want them to do a better job. And I have to, I have to let that go to be like, okay, I, I, I'm in charge of my own experience now. Wow. That was a long winded way to answer your question. No, um, I love it. But I totally relate, totally relate to what you're saying and, and have felt that for sure. I personally struggle with the part of like letting go and like being mature and grounded in the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's oh God, it's such a struggle. I've gotten better it at is. it, but yeah, it takes a lot of time. It's not, I, I it found like being conscious and like mature when talking to my parents is so much harder than with a partner. Like <laughs> for sure. Because I mean, a partner is always going to like, ideally you're both on the same page and want it to keep working but then um yeah. your parents raised you so they're yeah. like I know more I raised you yeah. <laughs> I yeah. brought you into this world <laughs> yeah the so dynamic they're always is really weird yeah. Yeah. yeah versus like a partner 
is ideally going to treat you and see you as an equal or at least like want to do that. So, And you're going to be in that collaborative process together, like we were saying earlier, mm -hmm. which you're not in with your parents anymore. I I heard this comedian recently talk about, she was like, yeah, I went to hang out with my family for a week, you know, a while ago. And she's like, so that basically means, you know, when I, I got there, and then within 10 minutes, I, for, for no reason that I could understand, was furiously angry and was eating all of the bread in the house. <laughs> and I was like, I feel so called out. Like, I totally, like, shit bubbles up when I'm around family. And then I'm like, give me carbs to, to boost my dopamine so I'm not only angry. <laughs> angry I'm over-exaggerating, but it's, yeah, totally. Yeah. Anyway. Um, the last question I wanted to ask you before we wrap up is... Um, yeah. What advice do you have for getting started on a conscious path? Oh, I love this question. Um, yeah. Do you mean on an individual level or more in conscious partnership specifically? I was thinking conscious partnership specifically, yeah. but you kind of have to have both. <laughs> yeah. I um, Yeah, you for sure. Yeah, I'll start by saying it definitely has to start on an individual level, doing your own inner healing work and and really showing up and taking responsibility for our own shit. Like no one's coming to save us. Um, Mm -hmm. We all have traumas, like you said, like that could be really small or it could be really severe and acute. We all are dealing with trauma. And although that comes um, from other people, usually uh, at the end of the day, it's not our fault that those things happen to us, but it is ultimately our responsibility to heal from them. And I wish the world worked different. I wish that like if someone hurt you, they would be held accountable to, like you said, provide closure, like an old partner or boyfriend, um, or apologize for the ways that they hurt you. But it doesn't really work that way. Um, and I want it to, but because it doesn't, it is up to us to take responsibility for our wounds, even if they're not our fault. And so it does start on an individual level, but in conscious partnership, Honestly, I think it's like easier than we think it is. Like now that I'm getting into it, I don't know if you feel similarly. It's just a matter of like having those conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think at a very base level, like, um, you know, saying to the person that you're dating, like, you know, I'm really interested in a conscious partnership. Like I don't, I don't want to end up in the same kind of relationship that my parents had, even if they still love each other. Like I'd like to do it different. I would mm-hmm. like to do it a different way. And so, um, are you, like, are you open to that? Is that something that you want? What do you want our partnership to look like? Or even not our partnership, what does your just ideal partnership look like? Um, That's and, a great and, question. And just like having those conversations, I think we get a little bit weird about those or like, is that weird to talk about? Screw it. It's not weird. Like, yeah, well, t- we don't have any examples of it. Like, Totally. Yeah. So it does feel weird, but like, let it feel weird. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think that meta communication is really helpful, like talking about how you talk about things. So saying like those sorts of things, uh, I know this kind of is weird. Cause like, I don't really have any examples of how to do this well, but I kind of want to do it different. Do you want to do it different? Um, or like meta communicating about the way that you argue like, Hey, yesterday when we talked about this, like when we were arguing, um, I really actually appreciated when you said this, can we, can you, can we do more of that? Or like, Ooh, when you said this, I know you did not mean it that way, but it made me furious. Like, but like getting into all of the, all the weeds with that, I think is, is really helpful. So yeah, one, just having a direct conversation with a person you're dating. I would like a conscious partnership. I don't even know exactly what that means. And this might be a weird kind of conversation to have, but like, I want to have it. Do you, do you want to have a conversation about that with me? 
And then two, meta-communicating, talking about how you talk about things. If you feel anxious about a conversation, say out loud, I kind of feel anxious about this conversation, but I want to have it anyway. And just like verbalizing some of those things that we feel afraid to say um, is really essential. That is so helpful. Like just being able to say like, I'm really nervous right now, or I'm like afraid to talk to you about this because then like it it helps you lower down your defenses and them too. Um, And it evokes their empathy. If they're like, uh if if someone that you care about is like, I'm kind of nervous. Like I'm like, oh man, if I care about you, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't be nervous. Like I got you. We're good. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, So I think it's, you're totally right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think the underlying thing too is just like a level of self-awareness, which like that sounds so, it, it doesn't, you don't get it until you get it, if that makes sense. Like It's like the same thing about being present. It's like, oh, sure, yeah. be present. Oh, sure, be self-aware. And then you get it and you're like, oh, self-awareness yeah. is really important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just totally. being able to like, I think I found the most helpful thing is just like if I'm feeling away, like if I start to feel myself getting angry or defensive, I'll like stop and I'll be like, okay, why am I feeling this way? There's no reason I should be feeling yes. like this. Yeah. Um, like, I think a specific example that I was telling you about before we started recording, when I took Mr. Liz to a comedy show and he was like explaining <laughs> yeah. to me after like, well, I was really afraid the whole time that like you were going to get us called on. Uh, and then <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was, I got really like annoyed and kind of aggravated. I didn't like say anything or react a specific way. I was just kind of like silent. And then like a few minutes later when I went to the bathroom, I was like, why am I like, he is allowed to feel that way and be worried. Like he's allowed, he's telling me this because he feels safe telling me this. And there's no reason for me to feel defensive or like irritated. Like he's sharing this with me. So I am aware. And then after that, I quickly got over it because I was like, I'm glad he told me that because now when we're in another situation, I can make sure that he isn't feeling that way or whatever. Yeah. Like just having the awareness of how he might be feeling is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and that's I such totally a petty agree. thing love, to be like, I'm annoyed. <laughs> no, but honestly, we're all so petty all the time. Like that stuff comes up so much where I'll be like so annoyed. And then I, I, I love what you're pinpointing here around the self-awareness and the specific practice of like when I feel something, especially if it's like annoyance, disgust, frustration with another person. All self-awareness looks like is saying, wait, why do I feel that way? Can Mm -hmm. I trace that feeling back? Because when you dug into that, you were like, wait, Mr. Liz is allowed to feel that way. If I'm annoyed by that, it might be because, I don't know, there could be a number of reasons, right? Like maybe my preference is like, it would be fun to be called on and like, he's ruining my chances or (laughs) whatever the thing is. But at the end of the day, you're like, oh, okay. That's probably not a good enough reason to not be supportive of him. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you, and then like, okay, I can let that go. But that's all that self-awareness looks like really in those moments is asking why I'm yeah. frustrated or annoyed right now. Why? What's and then feeling there? a little defensive, like, um, yeah. of like, he's blaming on me, but it's not like he wasn't right. blaming anything on me. He was just like telling right. me what he was worried about. So yeah, like yeah. if he's made me feel safe to approach him about those kinds of things and like he meets me with understanding, I he I fully believe he should expect me to do the same so it's always good to have a little reminder in those moments of something like that catches you off guard of like I'm gonna I feel defensive I don't know why but just being able to be like why am I defensive and then once you can like acknowledge it then you can let it go and then at least like affirm your partner like 
I okay thanks for for sharing that with me and like now I know and yeah being aware of how someone might be feeling like he is aware of how I feel around a family situation so I can be aware of how he feels in (laughs) in a theater situation (laughs) (laughs) totally I love that too because I think people I often get asked like well how do you let it go like how do you let it go if you're feeling that feeling honestly just asking why sometimes is it because once Mm -hmm. I get to the bottom of why and I'm like oh I'm just being fussy I'm like that's not a good enough reason for me to be a dick to my partner right now you know and then it's it's kind of easy for me (laughs) (laughs) totally I just need to drink some water um for sure almost always the answer (laughs) yeah (laughs) just drink some water and ask yourself why (laughs) yeah exactly and I love it oh yeah. This, has been, this has been so fun. I know. Yeah. I love this. This was such a great conversation. And I'm so glad that like we could find time for you to be a guest. And um, I really think that our listeners are going to love this. So oh, good. Thank well, you I hope so it's much. supportive. Yeah, it's been lovely. It's been lovely to hear more about your process with all of this, too. Obviously, we've talked, but to get into it a little bit um, in more depth has been so lovely. So thank you again for having me on. I feel like so honored. Longtime listener, first time guest. This has been <laughs> great. Um, yeah. All right. Um, well, so if you guys want to follow Ariel, uh, she is Ariel here now on all of her social handles. And um, her podcast with her partner, Brian, is called Do You Have Space? And um, it's really great to listen to. So I highly recommend it. If you liked this conversation, you're going to love their podcast. You're so kind. Thank you. Yeah. It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause, and Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's join M-I-D-I dot com.